Welcome to Shortcut to Sunday. I'm Ben. And I'm Bruce. And this is your podcast for March 13th, 2022, the second Sunday in Lent in year C. And we are coming to you not live on behalf of Holy Family Episcopal Church in Fishers, Indiana. Bruce, how are you? I'm doing well. Good, good. Love the Lent. Love that Lent. <laughs> Love, Love that, that Lent. Lent. <laughs> uh, yeah, of course. Uh, I am... Uh, any, anybody who listens uh, heard last week that I'm giving up caffeine for Lent, and I oh, hate it I here. forgot that. I hate it here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on like day what? What is this? Four or five? Uh, well, uh, and there's the context of last night's massive storms. Yes. That cut into lots of folks. Yes. Betty by time. Yeah. I, I, uh, I, that was coupled with a... Uh, a very enjoyable time, but an unfortunate choice of going to the uh, hockey game in Columbus, Ohio. Uh, and so I wasn't home until 2 o'clock in the morning. And then what happened around 3 And then what happened around 3 was uh, the tornado sirens went off. And so uh, here I am, bleary-eyed and uh, caffeineless. So <laughs> Flying on one wing. Already pretty sure... For my half of the podcast, this will be my worst one. <laughs> well, it's, yeah. So if the listeners start hearing simply a monologue by me and some <laughs> it's I gentle asleep, breaths in the other microphone. Right? <laughs> I fell asleep, heads against the keyboard, <laughs> pass out. Um, and he's just so cute when he sleeps. Aww, I, can't, I can't wake him. can't wake him. <laughs> Um, I, I don't know if you're seeing what I'm seeing, uh, and I love putting this in the podcast cause I know you're, if you're listening, you can't see what I'm seeing. Uh, but, uh, are you on, um, the Vanderbilt website? Yeah. Why do I have pictures of chickens? <laughs> Good golly. Look at that. <laughs> Why? So this is a uh, chicken Sunday. It's, it's a very well known second Sunday of Lent, uh, chicken things. <laughs> It's amazing. Uh, Vanderbilt, uh, the Vanderbilt.edu uh, lectionary library. Uh, you get every every Sunday or every actually every day feast day has like some sort of a little art banner. Yeah, at the usually top. And, pretty uh, good. Today we have uh, chickens, and and so yeah, something to do with motherhood apparently. Oh, okay. Because it's a it's a chicken with a bunch of baby chicks. If you click on it, oh, that makes sense. But what I guess in some traditions this has something to do with. This Sunday has something to do with mothers right. or something. There you go. Well, uh, like I said, great for the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm holding it up. Can everyone see right, clearly? Right, right. You in the see, back? Can you see? see what I, I particularly like what the artist did over here. Yeah. Yeah. Really, really nice. Who would have thought a chicken could look like that? <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Amazing artwork. Um, but yeah, so we are into Lent, like uh, full force into Lent. Uh, uh, second Sunday uh, of five. Right, we have yeah. five Sundays in Lent, and then we get into Holy Week and uh, the Passion readings and all that, all the all the joyous stuff. Um, but uh, uh, during the season of Lent, we have a lot of stuff going on. We're so Lent. much. So uh, we've got um, we, we we're doing the the I, I should just let you talk the the uh, nine o'clock hour the adult uh, uh, formation. Uh, is is doing a uh, a series on community mm -hmm. and particularly how to heal community uh, in the midst of very difficult times. I can't so imagine we, that that would apply. Yeah. So today we ended up talking quite a bit about dynamics between Russia and Ukraine, mm -hmm. settling the world's problems, and then we're, we're in a sense going to circle closer and closer to. Um, in our own, as each week goes by, in our own lives, how are we um, called to reconcile with others, and frankly, how are we called not to at times? Interesting. Uh, we also have don't we have we have a Lenten walking? Yeah, every uh, Saturday morning at nine, we're taking uh -huh. a Lenten walk. We start with a prayer, we end with a prayer. Walk for about forty-five minutes in mm -hmm. between on one of the paved trail, usually paved trails around Fishers. Um, and have completely unstructured, enjoyable conversations as we do so. People bring their kids, their dogs. Um, it, it's it's fun and just a, a way of having longer conversations than a coffee hour allows. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, I think the other thing that pops into my head is confirmation classes have started. Those started today. People are welcome to join late. Um, 
And part of the fun this year is that confirmation is going to be offered by the presiding bishop of the Episcopal Church the, the day before Pentecost, so in June. And so the folks that are going through confirmation uh, get to be blessed by the best. <laughs> yeah, I, I hear it counts twice as much. I think so. I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. Doubly confirmed uh, <laughs> and welcomed into the church. Um, well, with that, uh, unless you have anything else you want to plug. Um, the men's groups meeting. Oh, that's right. Shoot. On Wednesday night this uh -huh. week. At, at Four at Day Ray. Four Day Ray. The, the Lenten devotion of going to a microbrewery. <laughs> I find God every time I do. Yeah, that's right. You only gave up caffeine. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I like their iced tea, I must say. Sure, sure, sure. Their hard iced tea is great. Well, and that's that's Wednesday at at seven o'clock is the please be here by then. But some some guys will be going arriving at six thirty who want to actually have a meal or something. Gotcha. Uh, that makes ahead sense. Of time. That makes sense. Well, let's uh, move on to this day in church history. Yay! Uh, so this day in church history, which again, just for a reminder, it's March thirteenth. So uh, just March 13th related events only. Thank you. Um, in four... Is this the day Friday the 13th was invented? <laughs> I, I don't have that here. Okay. But that also, I don't know if that would make it into a church history calendar. Okay. Did the this, church This is create... an off folklore-ish. Uh-huh. And no one knows if it's true. It wasn't written down. But the, the folklore around Friday the 13th is at some point, someone thought, you know, counted backwards and said the Good Friday when Jesus died on the cross mm -hmm. took place on roughly March 13th. Um, huh. and, and it was on a Friday. And therefore, Friday the 13th is a most unfortunate day. Interesting. But yeah. then there's no, like, great no celebration for... You know, Sunday the 15th. <laughs> right. It's like I say, I think it was some monk with too much time on his hands. I was going to say, seems, seems half baked there, yeah. uh, monk buddy. <laughs> yeah. Or a PhD student trying to research this Ooh. out of desperate need. Right. What if? Hold yeah. on. It's coming to me. I know it's due tomorrow, but. Right. <laughs> yep. Yep. Uh, no, no, I don't have that here. Moving on. Moving on. <laughs> Uh, 452 uh, AD, uh, Roman Emperor Martian uh, issues an edict against the, uh, goodness, the Eutetians, whose teachings are seen to undermine Christ's humanity and his ability to stand in our place. So I thought I would ask you a little bit to, to unpack that statement just a little bit. Uh, uh, Roman emperor, who cares what his name is, uh, uh, issues an edict against a group of people who cares what their name is, uh, but who, whose, whose teachings are seen to undermine Christ's humanity and his ability to stand in our place. What's the issue there? Well, can you, can you spell the name of the group? Yes. E U T Y C H I A N S. Okay. I think and this is, educated but still guess okay is that this was a group that saw jesus more as a mystical figure than a okay. human figure mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and that part of the gnostic movement that saw the spiritual dimensions of existence as being primary over the physical dimensions and therefore had a deep amount of trouble regarding jesus as incarnate as human gotcha Gotcha. That makes sense. It's just so disgraceful to be physical, but that's that was unimaginable. That group came out mm. of Greek philosophy. Gotcha. Okay, so I can understand why. Uh, I mean, an edict seems a little strong, but you know, all right. But back then, that was that's what they did. That's what they did because uh, the church was the you know, the, it, it was not a democracy. <laughs> yeah, the church was the government, and the government was the church, and mm -hmm. uh, that lasted for a long while. Uh, so, uh, five thirty six, Pope. Uh, I want to say his name is Agapetus, but it's probably Agapetus. Yeah. Uh, but Agape is in there. Uh, issues a synodical letter in which he announces he has deposed Anthemus, the monophysite patriarch 
of Constantinople. Oh, okay. Emperor Justinian I appoints Menes, Patriarch of Constantinople, in his place. Menes will be actively engaged in the issues of his uh, of his day as an opponent of monophysitism and uh, of uh, Origen's teachings, but will largely subservient to the but will be largely subservient to the Roman popes. What is monophysite and monophysitism? If, again, if I recall correctly, um, it's, okay, now my brain is... I have to ask these just because it's like, there's so many words in there, they're like, I'm not sure what this is even saying. Let's well, put it on, let's put it to Bruce. Origen got into trouble by basic, the, the basic um, summary of Origen's uh, mistaken teachings were that people could earn their way to God mm, instead okay. of being reliant upon grace. So it, I'll, so since Origen was mentioned, I'll, and a lot of what Origen wrote was fantastic, but um, there are all sorts of images at the time in arguing for and against Origen about whether or not a human could climb a ladder to heaven. Mm. And Origen was saying, sure. And others are saying, no, God would have to lift a person to heaven. Gotcha. Um, we so, all know it's a stairway. Yeah. yeah. So... Um, Oh yeah, it's running through my brain now. <laughs> uh, 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 so I think it was a question about the true divinity of Christ. Okay, makes sense. Questioning whether Jesus was truly human and divine simultaneously. Hmm. Uh, fast forward a couple hundred years, 18 years after the death in exile of Patriarch Nisiphorus, who had defended the use of icons, Empress Theodora has his body brought back to Constantinople with great pomp and circumstance. Um, cool. Yeah. <laughs> cool. <laughs> well, and that's that's one of the ongoing, even today, controversies in Christianity. Oh, is the use of icons. Use of icons, use of visual imagery, even any of the arts, mm -hmm. depending on where one sits within Christian traditions, they'll, they can be controversial. Yep. And Episcopal Church pretty much falls in the icons are fine, music's fine, mm -hmm. drama's fine, visual mm -hmm. arts are mm -hmm. fine, mm -hmm. on and on. Um, 1569, at the Battle of Jarnac, uh, Marshal Gaspard de Tavernay defeats the Huguenots, uh, whose leader, the Prince de Condé, is killed in the aftermath. Uh, that The story, like I think for most people, like rings like, oh yeah, the Huguenots. There's something about them. Yeah. <laughs> and that's about like as far as any of our knowledge goes. Uh, because, you know, we follow the English history, not right. the French history. Who cares about right. the French and, history? And it's more Roman Catholic history right. than Church of England or Anglican history. So, so real yeah. quick, 10 seconds or less, Huguenots, who are they? I believe, well, in France, they, um, the bishops in France basically said, we don't like that pope who's down in Italy. And so we're making our own. Gotcha. And it caused numerous armed conflicts around the um, continent of Europe for at least, well, for years and years and years and years. Yeah. Uh, 1785, uh, the, the musician, uh, uh, the musical side of me enjoys this one. At the Berg Theater, Vienna, Mozart's Cantata David Penitente receives its first performance. This is called a Half Mass. Because its ten movements include Kyrie and Gloria, the work have been commissioned by the Committee of the Society for the Relief of the Widows and Orphans of Musicians. I also found that very fascinating. That's, that is fascinating. So that's a whole committee. This, <laughs> the, the Society for the Relief of the Widows and Orphans of Musicians. Very specific. Very long title. Well, it's um, not like they had a pension plan. That's true. That's true. Um, but interesting... Uh, uh, I, I do like that that aspect of music uh, that there's mm -hmm. you know there's like a there's a benefactor to to a lot of the, some of the great pieces that yeah. were ever done, uh, and, uh, and and in this case uh, the the half mass of Mozart uh, is, is one of them. Um, Nineteen oh four, located in on the Argentina Chile border as a memorial to peace, the bronze Christ of the Andes statue is dedicated. So that was. Hmm. A little over a hundred years ago, 
Uh, I found this one interesting because uh, it continues, uh, this kind of thing continues on today. 1925, the state of Tennessee passes House Bill number 185, the Butler Bill, prohibiting any teaching that contradicts the Genesis creation account. Oh. Uh, it will be signed by the governor on March 25th and will lead to the Scopes Monkey Trial the following July. I was just going to say. Yep. 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 So uh, a very interesting uh, uh, um, legislative uh, involvement. Um, well, and what's funny to me is... With, you know, within my lifetime, the most Americans thought, you know, what a quaint little event that was. Right. <laughs> and now it's literally being litigated again. Yeah, relitigated. Yeah. Uh, so just it's been a hundred years. Let's uh, <laughs> yeah, let's fight again. Is that right? Are we sure? I mean. <laughs> You know, and, and as Episcopalians, uh, to be to be fair, to play uh, uh, both sides of that fence, uh, you know, we encourage reexamining. I mean, you know, that's, that's a, true. It's a it's a very strong undercurrent to our to our uh, to our. Uh, we hope that, that science will be the underlayment yep. and the shared value, rather than I don't like that. <laughs> right, 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 right. So, just to be clear, we thoroughly believe and support the teaching of evolution. Yes, yeah, which is not uh, uh, fully known. Although I think we would also say that we are, you know, we admit that uh, we're fine with people not agreeing with us. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's a that's our that, that's our that's our go to as as Episcopalians. Like we the the some of the things that we do believe in are this, and if you don't, that's fine. Yeah, you can still that's be fine. here. But we're very we're very Canadian that way. Like, oh no, that's fine. That's bud. true. <laughs> that's fine, bud. That's no. no. Yeah. Um, but you might, you might be disturbed by some of the sermons you hear and adult sure, education sure. things and stuff, since they do presume, uh, knowledge and agreement of evolution and such. Uh, the last one I have here, uh, is, uh, 2013, uh, conclave elects Argentine born George Margio, uh, Mario, uh, Bergog Bergoglio, man, I butchered his name. Sorry, Pope to be Pope, uh, the, of the Roman Catholic church, the first Pope. From the Americas, and he takes the name Francis. It's hard to believe it was that long ago. Yeah, it seems like that was more Yesterday. recent. Yeah, like much more recent. Like no, no, no. Yeah. 2013 was the other guy, right? <laughs> then we got <laughs> yeah, almost Fran ten Pope years. Francis. My goodness. But yeah, yeah. So it's a uh, nine nine years now. Uh, nine years and counting. And again, to be clear, we were we are under no obedience to the Pope. We just sort of wave at him and say hi, Bishop. Yeah. <laughs> Good to see you, buddy. And and many of our bishops, including um, our former diocesan bishop, um, have met with the Pope of their time, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. including Pope Francis. So yeah, yeah, I, I think uh, there, there's there's uh, there's there's no we should point out there's no vehemence there against uh, right. uh, the group. We just uh, we have we have different we have a couple of turning points in our in our structure and and in beliefs theology yeah yeah theologies. Well, uh, with that, I will move on to our first reading All righty. Uh, for the week after we got a thorough history lesson from a uh, very tired uh, person <laughs> who couldn't spell anything. Um, <laughs> and, and Ben read it all out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, our first reading comes from the book of Genesis. Uh, so uh, uh, bring on the monkey trial. Um, <laughs> chapter 15. Uh, verse 1 through 12, uh, 1, 2, skip a few, and 17 and 18. Uh, after these things, the word of the Lord, uh, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham. Sorry, sorry. The word came to Abram. Right. In a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus. And Abraham, Abram said, you have given me no offspring, and so a slave born in my house is to be my heir. But the word of the Lord came to him, This man shall not be your heir, not one, but your very own, uh, no one but your very own issue shall be your heir. He brought him outside and said, Look toward heaven and count the stars, if you are able to count them. Then he said to him, So shall your descendants be. And he believed the Lord, and the Lord reckoned it to him as righteousness. Then he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you from Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess. But he said, O Lord God, 
How am I to know that I shall possess it? He said to him, Bring me a heifer three years old, a female goat three years old, a ram three years old, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. He brought him all these and cut them in two, laying each half over against the other. But he did not cut the birds in two. And when the birds of prey came down on the carcasses, Abram drove them away. As the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram, and a deep and terrifying darkness descended upon him. When the sun had gone down and it was dark, a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch passed between these pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, To your descendants, I give this land from the river of Egypt to the river to the great river, the river Euphrates. Um, so we kind of start... Um, it feels like we start in medias res here in the story because the first line is after these things. Yeah. What happened before? None of your business. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Abram's beginning to have his various adventures. I mean, Mm -hmm. Abraham's joined the cast of characters Mm -hmm. um, of the book of Genesis. And so he goes to Egypt. He goes to some other places. He finds a wife. Um, and now the real action begins. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I feel like, is there, is there already, do we already have the story of Hagar? Um, uh, um, having his son prior no, that, to that? that comes in the next chapter. Okay. So he alludes to it here, but it, 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 uh, it... Yeah, it's, it's one of those tricky things of Genesis where there are so many authors and then later editors and then re-editors that sometimes the order of things gets a little squeegee. A little. Yeah, I gotcha. I gotcha. Um, and um, what did we, what did we skip here? Uh, we, you know, Abram falls asleep and then we skip a few and mm-hmm. uh, then we get into this, uh, this imagery that I want to talk about. It, what we skipped was, a what scholars agree was an insertion by another editor that prophesizes the Israelites' experiences in Egypt when they're enslaved by Pharaoh. So oh. well down the line hmm. um, that f- for various theological and editorial reasons, the that editorial group thought, yeah, we really do need to stick our little two cents in here and in many ways it it barely makes sense i won't say it doesn't make sense but definitely interrupts the flow of the story i gotcha um so i mean genesis is chock full of kind of like uh um these uh instances where individuals are are kind of told uh a prophecy directly from from God themselves, you're going to do this, mm-hmm. or I need you to, you know, I need you to go to Egypt. I need you to do this. Like all that's in, in the old Testament, this happens a, a, a lot. Um, and it's what occurs in the Abram story stands out to me to be kind of uniquely weird. <laughs> like uh, number good, one, good. Uh, number one, Falling a deep sleep fell upon Abram. Okay, yeah, there's plenty. There's there's a couple of stories that are you know kind of like that, uh, and then a deep and terrifying darkness descended <laughs> upon him. It's like, wait, 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 this is the this is basically the the promise, the covenant, the pro the yeah. prophecy that he would he would have a son in his old age, and you know his lineage would go you know, on forever. Go on forever as a result, and. What what occurs here doesn't really doesn't kind of seem like it 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 matches the story. I mean, I'm just thinking of like when Moses has mm. his kind of interaction. While the burning bush doesn't like sit there and say like, "Oh, burning bush, Egyptians out of Egypt." Yeah, totally. <laughs> I see the the similarity there. It does kind of represent the things that God has him do. The burning bush that's not consumed by flame is kind of along the same line as, you know, locusts and frogs out of the sky and throwing a staff on the ground and turning into a snake. Like, and also wondrous signs, the the light of God leading them during the day. Yeah, 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 yeah. The cloud and then the fire leading them for the forty years. It's not exact like one to one Mm -hmm. symbology, 
but it's one where you can kind of like understand like oh yeah it's in a way it's kind of a sign of things to come in right. that like strange signs and wondrous miracles are like or well, i shouldn't say miracles but wondrous signs and 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 occurrences are gonna kind of be the theme for the next yes. couple of chapters <laughs> um none of this is like you'll have a son and you know you know like you know you know what what helps put you in the right mindset for believing god uh that you're gonna have a son and numerous descendants is like a uh a terrifying darkness and a and a uh um smoking fire pot and a flaming torch <laughs> like what is this like weird fantasia style like hippopotamus hippopotamuses and <laughs> hippopotami and, and uh, tutus like what am i gonna sacrifice that <laughs> What is this thing that's, that's that's happening? Is there symbology that like just modern day readers are missing? Yeah, or? there is. Okay, <laughs> help me, <laughs> help me here. In the in ancient times, one formed a covenant with another human or group of humans by to to be sacrilegious by having this barbecue together. Okay. Of of symbolically sacrificing these animals and then eating them together. Okay. So God transforms that everyday, what we would call legal covenant, legal agreement with another party to be a divine action mm -hmm. by God being the fire that comes, comes to make the sacrifice real to do the barbecuing. Uh-huh. Um, which like special effects, sure. And so, ever since then, the within Hebrew, the um, lingo around making a covenant is the same word as cut. Oh, okay. To draw the people back to the source of how these kinds of a Agreements were made holy and more powerful, more ethical, mm. um, a higher demand behind what it means to give one's word to another human and to form a relationship with God. Interesting. So this is basically, this is a promise that God gives Abram. Abram questions it and God seals the deal with a backyard barbecue and a handshake. Without a match. Okay. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's like, gotcha. it's not just a backyard barbecue. It's a spontaneous flame. Right. So yeah, it's like, okay, here, yeah. Abram, Abram would see these things, see the, the pieces there. And go, oh, okay. We're, we're making, <laughs> oh, you're, you're serious. Yeah. And, you're serious. Uh, but then it would be, wait a minute. Where'd that fire come from? <laughs> <laughs> this is different. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, I feel like there's also like they they he goes into the, the author goes into or the writers, I should mm -hmm. say, I think because we've talked about how it's probably more than one author. Right. Um, the writers take extra care to describe the sacrifice. Uh, is mm -hmm. there any sim any important symbolism in the fact that three of the uh, the, the animals are exact are, are to be three years old and then uh to birds like the, the the fact that they go into the detail of like a three-year-old this a three-year-old that and a three-year-old this and then the following line they talk about how they're cut uh cut and cut in two laying each half over against the other but not cutting the birds in two. it just seems like it's some of those extraneous details that if you're trying to if you're trying to get to the point of like abram's not gonna have a kid Jesus or Jesus, God says, "Uh huh." Abram says, "Are you sure?" And then they they make the pact and the agreement. It seems like some extraneous d detail that you wouldn't need in order to tell the story. Well, part it for the folks who have been the first listeners of this story, and probably for generations thereafter, it it's the kind of detail that would have been interesting. Mm. Um that what you know what was the sacrifice okay here was what the sacrifice was i'll, I'll anticipate your questions and answer mm -hmm. them and part of it is the heifer three-year-old female goat three years old a ram three years old 
time and effort was invested in these animals before they were offered to God. So it's not just, yeah, get, you know, grab the nearest, smallest sheep you can. Right, right. Um, Old Betsy was about to die anyway. That's yeah, fine. Yeah. <laughs> I gotcha. Um, so, yeah, so that reflects that this is an, a very important covenant being made. Mm. And, yeah, the, you know, people are real. You know, Abram's really spending um, significant resources to make it. Mm. Okay. Uh, he's not just covering his bets. Um, anything else about this passage? Yeah. Um, the beginning of it, um, it has, it, it's kind of hard to see immediately because we tend to fly right past it. The, but Abram really arguing with God mm, mm-hmm. where he's like, where's, where's my kid, God? I mean, I'm supposed to have an offspring by now. I'm getting old. You say, yeah. That I'm a that you like me, but why haven't you blessed me in this way? It's a decidedly different tact from many other uh, 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 people who get called in the Old Testament that don't want to do that, you know, mm-hmm. or don't believe it or don't, don't want to do what they've been called to do. Uh, oftentimes, it's a oh, but who am I? Right. I'm not important enough. No, somebody <laughs> else should do this. Uh, yeah, you're right. This is really a lot more Abram saying like. I don't know if I believe you. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if I, you know. Are, are you really the one true God? Right. I'm not sure. Right. right. And that's also why the actual covenant meal was so important and mm. how it took place. Like, yeah, here, you know, let, let's see your false God do this. Right, right. So, yeah, anytime people try to tell you that you got to take whatever God's dishing out unconditionally without any question. Here's a, yet another biblical passage mm-hmm. where someone talks to God very openly about their disagreement with God mm. and are not smitest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, let's let's move on yeah. to our psalm for the day. Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to devour to, to devour my flesh, my adversaries and foes, they shall stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war rise up against me, yet I will be confident. One thing I asked of the Lord that I that will I seek after, to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will set me high on a rock. Now my head is lifted up above my enemies all around me. And I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud, be gracious to me and answer me. Come, my heart says, seek his face. Your face, Lord, do I seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You who have been my help, do not cast me off. Do not forsake me, O God of my salvation. If my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will take me up. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me on a level path because of my enemies. Do not give me up to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me, and they are breathing out violence. I believe that I shall see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your courage, let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. Um, reads a lot more like a prayer um, than like a hymn per se to me. Think, I mean, think back to what we just, what I just said about Abram. Okay. Okay. So it, yes, a prayer, but of a very particular type. Is this supposed to be in the voice of Abram? Is like, no, is it no. anything that specific? Okay, it, but it is supposed to be yelling at God. Okay, okay, um, yeah. There's lots of uh, sections of this that are hymns. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Uh, you, as you read through that, you're kind of like, oh yeah, that's one. And yeah, there, there's another one. This one's different. That's yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, what do we know about the writing of Psalm 27? Do we know? Do we have any historical information? We have some sense. Um, 
by context, it almost certainly was written by someone who was losing a um, congregational battle mm. within the temple. Okay. That's presumably a priest by um, the way it's the, the imagery used, but perhaps just a lay person. And as with a church today, there are scuffles around who's in charge and who mm -hmm. gets to do what and all that sort of thing. We know that happened frequently uh, during the temple period. And so uh, most scholars believe this is a psalm written by someone who was on the losing end of the fight mm. and um, is both trying to convince God to let him or her win the fight while also buttering up God and also complaining to God that they've been abandoned by God. Mm -hmm. So it, it has wonderful layers of complexity within it, but it's basically a, about a um, conflict within the community. It's not an outsider doing these things. It's instead people that the author trusted. Hmm. Hmm. And now he's, he's, he or she's not even allowed to be in the temple. Yeah, I mean, I guess I was originally going to ask, uh, but you, you've kind of uh, changed my mind about it just because you were you're pointing out how um, the person does challenge. It does for me. It kind of, as I read it, it came out of a little bit of left field. Of in in verse nine, um, it seems like the 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 prayer, the psalm up to that point has been like you know, Buttering people up. are beset <laughs> against me. You know, lift me up, help me. Mm -hmm. uh, don't turn away your servant in anger. Like, whoa, yeah. whoa. When was uh, when was that? <laughs> What's that? Yeah. <laughs> when was that happening? <laughs> uh, um, when was he angry? Um, but uh, but it makes sense then if if, if the author was uh, kind of yeah. Like this is this is kind of like the uh, the remnants of a lost battle. Yeah. Of, yeah. Of, from the author. Um, and one one commentator wrote that. In English composition, we would normally reverse these sections where the the first section would be the lament and the mm. I'm losing, and the second section would be the happy ending. And what this commentator wanted to say is, but Psalm 27 is like how life often actually is. Yeah. <clears throat> where you think things are going okay. You think they're getting better, and then suddenly you realize, no, they're worse than I could have imagined. Yeah. Yeah, and it does end with, uh, uh, and wait. Just wait. Is that, yeah. That's what you're called. I want to wait. You're going to have to wait for the Lord. <laughs> and, and an interesting possibility there is that that last verse is a congregational response to the rest of it. Mm, okay. Starting at like uh, um, verse 13 or, or? No, just verse 14. Just verse 14, wait for the Lord to yeah, be strong the... and let your... Okay. I could see where that would be. Yeah. 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 Okay. That's kind of cool. It is. That's a congregational response. And um, in verse 13, interesting thing is the verse in English ends with, in the land of the living. That's another word for the temple. Oh, that if it's a word for the temple it would be the place of life. Gotcha. It, um, it's often translated in English as land of the living to make it, I guess, more universalized than just the temple. But it, it does it, seem to kind of lose sight of the the meaning, though. You know yeah. what I mean? Like when you say land of the living, that automatic, automatically tells your brain like, oh, as opposed to the land of the dead. Right. And like, okay, so, I mean, I guess that, yeah, okay, I see where you're going with that. With mm -hmm. Like, it makes it more universal. So, here on Earth is the new right. temple. Yeah. Uh, but at the time this was written, it was a little bit more specific. Yeah, people go, oh, yeah, he, want, he really wants to be back in the temple. Mm -hmm. um, and there are numerous other um, references, poetic references to the... Um, 
temple that we may not grasp, like verse five, um, God will conceal me under the cover of his tent. Mm -hmm. That's the temple. He will set me high on a rock. The rock's the temple. Mm. Um, hide me in his shelter. Day of trouble. That's the temple. Um, I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. That's the temple. Hmm. So it's it, the the author worked hard to make it poetically beautiful, mm -hmm. but um, it makes it a, a little opaque to a modern reader in English how focused it is on the meaning of being in the holy place. Gotcha. And being forcibly excluded from it. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Um, anything else about... That's probably enough for now. Cool. Um, I just now realized, uh, we didn't, before we started, uh, recording, we didn't pick our gospel. Which, which gospel am I it's reading the one, It's the one we haven't used recently, so that's thir uh, chapter 13. Chapter 13. Cool. All right. I'll read this one and not the other. Because the other one's the Transfiguration. Oh, old news. Been there, done that. <laughs> Uh, Luke chapter 13, verse 31 through 35. At that very hour, some Pharisees came and said to him, get away from here for Herod wants to kill you. He said to them, go and tell that fox for me. Listen, I am casting, casting out demons and performing cures today and tomorrow. And on the third day, I finish my work. Yet today, tomorrow and the next day, I must be on my way, because it is impossible for a prophet to be killed outside of Jerusalem. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often have I desired to gather your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you are not willing. See, your house is left to you, and I tell you, you will not see me until the time comes when you say, Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. I think we forget about this one. <laughs> <laughs> I think we do. Uh, so, I mean, it, okay. So, narratively, it starts with the Pharisees saying, like, you should go away because Herod wants to kill you. Which would not have been an uncommon warning to give in the, that time. Sure. Herod wanted to kill lots of people and did. <laughs> sure. Um and initially, initially, uh, at least in my reading of this, Jesus begins with like a, yeah, you can tell Herod what to do with that idea. Yeah. yeah. But as it goes on, it makes me think that like only that first part was for Herod and then the rest might be for the Pharisees. <laughs> because, you know... Herod, it, like this rebuke of Jerusalem uh, being the city that kills its prophets, that wouldn't really be a uh, criticism of Herod or Herod's position. It wasn't that the govern the the over uh, presiding government uh, um, and one could, one could argue occupation force uh, was the one killing their prophets. This seems a little bit more of a personal rebuke to Jerusalem and, and its inhabitants. Am I reading that incorrectly or a little bit? <laughs> okay. Okay. Good, good, uh, good. Tell me because Herod did what was the puppet King of the Romans. Sure. Sure. So, so he was <sighs> response. Yeah. People could not kill prophets in Jerusalem without Herod saying, yeah, kill that one. Don't okay. kill that one. Kill, kill three of those. Um, so, I mean, there's a certain amount of, yes, the, the crowd will call for Jesus's crucifixion, uh -huh. but it's, it's, it's not directed as some might presume towards the Pharisees okay. because they didn't have the power to kill prophets. Okay. Um, but it is directed towards the um, corrupt leaders of Jerusalem. Mm. Um, yeah, because it's it's easy in in our modern Western times to think. I'm thinking of looking at verse 34: the city that kills the prophets and stone those who are sent to it, um, of sort of a, a mob mm -hmm. going after folks. But that would not have been allowed. 
Mm. The political elites were very careful to control what happened and only allow the violence that they that would further their causes. Okay. Any interests. So th- so this really is all like hey go tell go go tell that doofus exactly this. Yeah. Um it does seem oddly then it, then it seems oddly political in a way that I think yeah. Jesus had a tendency to kind of I wouldn't say necessarily avoid but you don't really see this in a lot of the other in, 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 in most of the rest of the gospel writings like this almost direct rebuke of right the 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 well actually you do in the trial between okay. Jesus yeah. and Pontius Pilate mm-hmm. and Herod and Jesus and Herod but the um verses 31 32 33 only occur in Luke Matthew okay. shares um 34 and 35 uh, but yeah the, the this captures, in a sense, the political perspective of Jesus mm-hmm. in a way that is kind of unexpected. And so we tend to not see it that way. But it, often in Luke, he is, Jesus is what we would say political and you know, politically against the Romans mm-hmm. and the puppet ruler rule of Herod. Um. So when he says, uh, um, I'm doing this stuff today or t- and, t- and tomorrow, and on the third day I finish my work, um, uh, so yet today, tomorrow, and the next day I must be on my way, this, this is basically Jesus saying, like, I ain't got time to die. <laughs> <laughs> Somewhat. I'm busy. I'm busy. Uh, I, I will see you later. I will see you later, and it will be on my schedule. Right. Not yours. Right. Because remember, the context is... Herod wants to kill you. Right. And so Jesus is saying, even if he wants to kill me, he doesn't get to yet. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm doing my thing. And right. it, when I am killed, it's because I say it's time. Uh, you will not see me until the time comes when you say, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Does Palm Sunday. Does Herod say that? Oh, okay. Oh, okay. So I got you. So it's, yeah. so he's, because in a way it kind of it read as though like, uh, and when I do, my name will be on your lips. Yeah. <laughs> like uh, you'll be singing well, my praises. Yeah. And it's like the earworm mm-hmm. is, you know, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord that it, it will it'll get in Herod's head, mm-hmm. even though it's not something he wants to say necessarily, but it'll be there and unavoidable. Because yeah. the, the crowd will be so big, it'll be echoing across the stones of Jerusalem. Yeah, yeah. His initial rebuke too also um, uh, sounds uh, very. Um, it's like what you would what you would expect a, a parent to to rebuke their child. Listen, <laughs> I'm doing stuff. You've got to calm down. <laughs> I will get to you in a minute. <laughs> I'm trying to earn money to put food on the table right, for you. Right. Uh, <laughs> but I love, I love that it's, it, it's uh, that, that, you know, tell, tell that guy this, listen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's as Luke loves to do, it's essentially a parable um, mm. where, yeah, cause I, well, I don't know if they'll say, you know, Jesus called you a Fox and mm-hmm. then said, listen, I'm, and um, you know the parable around the the timing, and you know on the third day I finish my work for you know us uh, readers who have retro twenty twenty hindsight. Mm-hmm. Um, it refers to the resurrection, to Jesus's resurrection, and it's like okay, yeah, that really is the most powerful thing. Um, yeah, it's, it's not even imaginable. It's so powerful. Yeah, yeah. And Herod thinks he's so high and mighty. Right. Um. Hmm. Anything? It's fairly short. Uh, it's for, short for, for the gospel packed. reading. Yeah. Anything else you want to point out about? One thing that some people um, really find moving is that 
this is again happens most often in Luke that Jesus uh, presents himself as a female where um, he's a hen mm-hmm, mm-hmm. gathering the brood under her wings. Yep. Um, you know, so a lot of people say, oh, okay. I found that very moving. Yeah. And you were not willing. Mm-hmm. Um, Which is a great image because you know, if you ever watched a hen trying to keep all the chicks together, it's a, it's a farce. <laughs> it is. It is and incredibly endearing like, yeah, as, yeah. You, as you watch it. Like, yeah. you know, there, there goes uh, uh, a being that, that uh, has but one, one care in this world. And that's, you know, trying to corral these individual and, and who is free spirited. <laughs> and who is the hen trying to protect them from the Fox, the Fox. Ah. So it's a nice little inclusio there. Interesting. Well, very good. Well, with with that, let's uh, let's call to a close this year podcast mm-hmm. for uh, March thirteenth, twenty twenty two, the second Sunday in Lent. As always, we look forward to celebrating with you. However, it works for your schedule. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sunday at eight and ten in person. Uh, ten o'clock service is uh, broadcast live on our YouTube channel, HFEC Videos on YouTube and will be available um, from there on thereafter if you don't get a chance to to catch it live and uh, nine o'clock hour in between for adult forum and children's ministry mm-hmm. and all all the good stuff and uh, hot um, coffee hot coffee and donuts at the end yeah of of, uh, of, of 10 o'clock so uh, which we were, we're up in our back. game on refresh that's right that's right it's time yeah so uh, and then we, we really look forward to worshiping with you, uh, however that works for your schedule. And until next week, I'm Ben. And I'm Bruce. And we'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. Bye.